the various hakels. Should we thank you on the video? So wait. Uh, you let me know. What? Now it's good. Okay. So uh, I know just a mix of a mix of the work that he does because we start trading titles and ideas already three months before, and Shem uh, should give you the kayach and Hashem Gabayim and and the shul for hosting us. And uh, I had this course of uh, spending time. We were together in uh, Taradas, when was it? Uh, a number of weeks ago. And Baruch Hashem, people want to hear, and even though it's a complicated, naughty, somewhat uncomfortable topic, but the expectation is, with the title, Kaveh El Hashem, Vekaveh, 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 to keep pushing and plugging. So Shaila is, uh, can you give up? When do you give up? And that title is something that should grab all of us, as you just mentioned. Everybody's looking for the answer. I'm not going to give you an exact answer. So <laughs> over the next hour, we're going to explore. And even if we speak privately afterwards, I left my crystal ball at home because it is a Shaila Vidaraisa and my Urm Vitumim and Amari Vrakayim. So we're going to try to touch upon five or six of the Yasidis of this topic and some tangential topics. And with that, get an idea at least what we're supposed to be davening for in terms of the Siyat Deshmaya and what we're supposed to expect. So with that, let's begin just a quick chazar of the Pasuk, which we have said recently during the Eli. It ends, L'David, Kaviel Hashem, Chazak V'yames Libecha, Kaviel Hashem. Chazak V'yames Libecha is sandwiched in between Kaviel Hashem, Habitachan, Havamuna, Trust Hashem, that Hashem Kaviyachol knows what he is doing, and everything is pre planned despite our Bechira. And there's a goal that society and the world must get to. There is a finish line. Chazach Becha means that in order to accomplish the Kaveh, in order to breed this inborn bitachin, which we need for our everyday life and everyday avayda to survive and to succeed more than survive. The key in the middle of the is you have to know how to give yourself chizuk and how to give others chizuk. And that's a lot of the focus today, Mr. Shem. So let's begin with what's most contemporary and that's this week's parsha. Before I even lay out the general rules, I'm going to speak about a few of the exceptions. I call them exceptions because people think they're exceptions, and they struggle with it. So we're here to put them out on the table and convince ourselves of the MS that they're not exceptions. It's part of the regular Kaveh Hashem, regular day-to-day life, and part of the Nisayim. So one of the biggest Nisayim is Spoken about in Chumash, certainly the 
The biggest one, the second two largest one that Yosef ever faced, that was being sold, kidnapped, sold by your brothers or Aisha's Potiphera. Which one's worse? First one's more emotional, emotional and jarring. How can my brothers do that to me? Aisha's Potiphera is almost expected, but day in and day out, that was a Nisayan. It wasn't just a 10 second Nisayan, it culminated in a 10 second Nisayan. Brothers pounced on him and he was just sold and all of a sudden he was shipped down to Egypt. So the first one was more jarring, the second one was more consistent and that might have made it more difficult. She didn't only pounce on him, she tried to wear him down day after day and he worked there a while. So we all know the good news is that he passed with uh, flying colors, as we would say, because he not only held himself back from Avera, but he also held on to his covered abrius, believe it or not, her covered abrius, even though we would say she doesn't deserve any. It's a different schmooze, not for today. Let's put it on the list. Why should he have to leave the Beged Etzla and not rip it out of her hand? This is kind of like the smoking gun. Never leave a smoking gun. And he leaves it in their hands. Covered Abrius. The Bible are busy with why he did that. But the godless in Yesef, for our purposes, for today's Shmuz, is the fact that he was calm enough and Eiske enough to keep that in mind as well. Besides the fact that he has to run and quickly, and he has to get out of here, and he has to pass the Sisayin, he can't lose. His covet, his covet of Bria's fathers, and all that in the same 10 seconds. No. So we would imagine that when you pass in his sayon like that, you get immediately richly rewarded by Ilam Hazem, by Ilam Haba. So Ilam Haba, we know, is in the bank. We hope not to find out what that reward exactly is right away because we want more time down here. Uh, people over time and circumstance have asked me in various forms that they want to see it already. I said, believe me, you don't want to see it right now. <laughs> I, I don't exactly know what they're thinking. <laughs> they want to feel it. I understand. They, it, this is what Bittach is all about. Understand that it's all about Olam Haba and what you see over here is a menagerie and a facade and Nothing is really true in Salam Hapuch, but you don't want to press the agenda to see it sooner than necessary. So, Yesef understands that and is not interested in going to Salam Hapuch right now. But we would imagine either a little Matzchar Betzida Belamazet or things shouldn't get a lot worse. And Achrek plays like Kelly passing Isaiah and his covet and her covet, tremendous Kiddush Hashem, even though everybody was talking about it and it was a perceived Chil Hashem, but she knew the Amos. And her husband knew the Amos also. That's why I didn't kill him. He put him in jail. But like Allahim even were made that the evidence is with the baguette in her hand, it doesn't really add up. And after all that, what happens? The Schaib El he lands in jail. And the Pesach gives us a very vivid description of jail. Calls it a bar. We think that's some type of expression. The jails weren't above ground. It was 
was in the ground and it wasn't too comfortable. Okay, this was for the diplomatic uh, Averis and he was with other diplomats, but <laughs> a very uncomfortable place. And what happens to us in life when we do something good and here we do something very good, we pass an Isayan and we're almost a little proud of ourselves. Nothing wrong giving yourself a pat on the back once in a while. And then we don't understand Sometimes right afterwards, we get what we think is pech. And things don't work out well. And I was going to a mitzvah, why did I get to a fender bender? And all sorts of complaints. And here, one was highlighted Nisyanis in Chumish. David Amalek has plenty of them in Tanakh, where he also rises to the occasion, and afterwards he's pursued and pursued again, and Shaul tries to kill him. And this is after he already became Melech. And Yosef here lands in jail. And he's there for a long, long time. So this is classic Yetzirah ammunition. This is one of the Yetzirah's most insidious tricks. So write it down. You should know. You've got to know your enemy. And besides generally bothering us throughout the day with distractions and taivas and all sorts of other things, when we do a mitzvah and then something doesn't go right according to what we expected, then the Sahara comes down full force. You see? You're such a tzaddik. Maybe it doesn't pay to be such a tzaddik. At least, yeah, it could be from, but don't be mitzvah You see what happens when you mitzvah nefesh? And we'd like to thank Taka. shot. I learned extra hard and I was mitzvah nefesh for it and we could think back, maybe I even learned an extra few years. I'm struggling for Panasa. So on paper, it looks like you're struggling for Panasa, and that would have been avoided had you learned a little less. Either a year less, a month less, a Seder less, or had you not come later to the office. And we like instant gratification, so if we make an average a little more in the morning and get to the office a little later, we won't miss that important call. And the Panas is going to be the same. And the Yitzhahara is going to try very hard to make sure that the only one call that had any tachlis during the day comes in before you get into the office. And then you can't reach the guy. So just the problem in life is you don't have a neon sign that blinks on and off. This is a test. So it's hard to remember it. But Yitzhah is faced with this. After this whole thing, he gets thrown in jail and is suffering for years. We've all had the experience. You try hard, extra hard with Messias Nefesh to do a chesed, to help someone, and turns around and uh, stabs you in the back. Not as graphic, but does you something that is not exactly the type in kind that we're looking for. And you wonder, to get hit right after I did it? So one fellow who was complaining to me told me, he says, yeah, I should have realized, uh, you, know, you know, the expression he tells me, nice guys finish last. I said, that expression is kfira, and I wouldn't touch anybody's wine after you say that. <laughs> nice guys finish last? Mamish kfira. Tyrus says not so. Tyrus says, you do mitzvahs, and half the mitzvahs of an Havera, and nice guys finish last. We're just so American that we think, yeah, nice guys finish last. It's probably like you know, the things they say at Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. It's clearer. But the ATAR wants us to learn, mislearn, 
that you do something nice and then you get hit. Must be taka, nice guys finish last. So that's the first item of this complex but crucial sugya. And that is Kaveh Lashem, Vikave, Vikave, and the Vav again and again and again is even though the result wasn't exactly what you're looking for. It's not really any of your business because you know what the cheshpin is. And it's obviously MS. We don't know exactly which form, why, when, but it's MS Lamita is the schar baker is And if something happens, it's to test you to give you more schar or to give you a kapara in lieu of something else that would have been worse because of your mitzvah, because of your mysterious nefesh. And the second very human thing that we do, besides drawing conclusions that are often incorrect, that next time we won't be so nice, and next time we won't be in a mode that we have to be such a tzaddik because it doesn't really uh, pay. So the other thing we look for is we're looking for positive signs. So we all want simanim min shamayim. When I gave a shear on Simana, speaking of crystal balls, when it's mutter, what's kishuf, what's not, and what's tamintia. A very complex sugiya, but tamintia basically sums it up before you get to the list I say, and that is, it's not really our business, and we shouldn't really be looking for it, even though we do it all day. And if we look for it and we see something, you have to be cheshish very strongly that on our Madrega, you're probably seeing something you want to see, and you're bringing rayas from what just happened, that your path is correct, and your decision is correct, and there are incredible examples in Tanakh of this, people who are on very high Madregas, and we don't have Nevi'im, we don't have an Urvatumim, are there Simanim? Yes, it could happen. Are you going to be able to draw the right conclusions? Very suspect. So, it's nice to get chizik when you're doing a mitzvah and get a nice tailwind and you feel like Hashem loves you, which He does, but you just saw a sign in a that He loves you. That's great, except when you get thrown in jail after passing an Isaiah and like Yisif did, then if you're used to looking for signs, that's a sign I did something wrong now. So it can cut in either direction, and therefore in Armadrega, it's one of those things people who claim to know often don't, and the people who do don't often talk. <coughs> so it's a little hard to figure out. A case in point, I'll start with a very recent one, 100 years ago, the Chavetz Chaim, and work our way backwards to uh, Tanakh. So I saw an interesting discussion in the Chavetz Sasharim. He brings down that there were Tamidim and people who were close to the Chavaz Chaim who were brave enough to sort of ask him, which is pretty brave, about the following stira involving his own Avodah Hashem and his own Nesianis. <coughs> Listen to this uh, stira. It's not a stira. and Shemayim, nothing's a stira. They wanted to know, Yolanda Rabbeinu, just a mahala. We have to know how to read signs. It says, well known, the Chavaz Chaim was working on the Mishnah Brewer and many other farm, and print this farm for soldiers uh, this farm he felt a great need to 
the Mabit started to help Yidin, and the Svarim, all of them, became widely used in Klai Yisrael. And he's working on the Mishabur, which Adi Yemazen, Adbiyaz Gol Tzedek, and then some is the uh, classic, as the Chaznesh uh, refers to the Chavaz Chaim as the Pesach Achron. And as he's working to finish it, he had tremendous loyalty, tremendous tragedy in his family. The son was nifted, there were other things going on, tremendous, tremendous tragedy. And they overheard him at Levaya mumbling something to the effect in Yiddish that it's not going to work and I'm finishing this. So he understood that this is all Atzaseyetzer. There are many reasons why these things happen in Leilano. There are a million reasons, but Klape him and his reaction can drag somebody down. It could stop progress. And Chavaz Chaim was a Chavaz Chaim, and he knew that it could stop project, progress and slow it down, and Chas Shalom, he won't finish his, uh, his project for Klai Yisrael. So he was heard, overheard, telling himself, it's not going to work, it's not going to stop me, and I'm going to finish. That's Exhibit A. Exhibit B. Also well known, he tried a number of times to get to Yisrael. Besides Yamav, the Gedalim of the time held he shouldn't go to Yisrael, and they kept telling him, we need you to chutzlar, it's whatever that means. Chavaz Chaim could daven from Eretz Yisrael also. Can you imagine Chavaz Chaim davening in Eretz Yisrael? It's pretty powerful. Eretz Yisrael is a local call, so whatever davening was being done in Rodden, so the Chavaz Chaim, it's the same feel all over the world, perhaps. Rab Chaim held for decision-making purposes with Siat Tashmaya, the Yidin and the Gullahs need him. And he held not so. So it's interesting, because the Machleg is the Chavaz Chaim or Chaim Eizer, where the Chavaz Chaim should move to Eretz Yisrael. So... I guess the Chavaz Chaim held that, uh, he held the Chaim in great esteem. He, held, he was the God Ladar, but the Chavaz Chaim still tried to go a number of times and it didn't work. And he was again overheard commenting that they stopped me and it's not Pashet. No? So the million dollar question, which they sort of asked him, which is pretty brave. <coughs> When do you know that you're supposed to stop? And it's Bashert Min Hashemayim, and I'm supposed to do it. He's trying to do a mitzvah. Okay, it's not a mitzvah chiyuv, it's a mitzvah chiyuv, it's whatever you hold, but it's an Indian, that's for sure. And he was trying to do it with Nasiris Nefesh, and moving then was not easy. So there he said, Min Hashemayim, Igvunin, and Bashert, and by the Nisyanis and tragedies during the making of the Mishnah Brewer, he was heard mumbling, they're not going to stop me. So, basically, Simon Shemayim, Simon Shemayim, so which Simon do you take? So everybody here is getting very excited, we're going to have an actual real answer to this. So, the excitement in the Sugi is to think about all these things, to know the pitfalls of Fooling yourself. Chavaz Chaim, there's a lambda Shishai law, so Chavaz Chaim did answer the question the way he has it down here. He says, there's a chilik between before you do the mitzvah 
then it's possible that that's not the mitzvah you should be doing now, unless it's a mitzvah he was, but obviously the other people who stayed in Chusler's, he felt he should go. And Rochaim Ezer felt not so, and Apparently, they agreed with Rabbi Meiser. I didn't start the mitzvah yet. The Mishabura I was in the middle of. And I'm having all these ikuvim not to finish it. You're in the middle of the mitzvah and you have ikuvim. That's the Yetzirah. That's a chilik. And certainly it's a chilik, it's a machalik. Is it the only chilik? No. The Chavetz Chaim never meant it to be the only chilik. They asked him a personal, very personal question about his own Avedis Hashem. And he said, there's a chile between the two cases. I believe not letting on that it's a far bigger discussion and it could be the Chavaz Chaim himself held there were five other chilukim. Just as likely, maybe more likely, the Chavaz Chaim wasn't even bothered by the kasha because he understood that you try to do a mitzvah and you have to keep trying and he tried to move to Yisrael many times and it was beside Yom of Mamish and he was very old and he couldn't even go himself when visitors used to come he used to beg them are you going to Yisrael can you take me? so the comment that might have been made when he was 98 already when it was more obvious and that leads me to the Tefillah aspect and the Shabbos aspect so what's the answer? The answer is, if you're in the middle of a mitzvah and you started already, for sure, don't let things get in your way. Once you have concluded this is a mitzvah you should be doing, that's a shiloh. And if you're trying to even get yourself positioned to do the mitzvah, you probably also shouldn't let things get in the way. The nechama is that if you try and try and it's just not going, it's possible that Hashem wants you to try even harder and it could be 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You've got to keep trying and that's your schar. And if it doesn't work at the end, so then Taka and Shamayim, they were ma'akev. The guy didn't make it to Yisrael either. He said the same thing when he got back. So Shailah, why he didn't actually go? He never answered the question. I asked him, why'd you come back? So go again. The guy with Prav Golis would walk all over Europe. He was walking to Yisrael. So let me go again. Some say just for, for Shemitah, an interesting thing that he held like the Mabit and he held the Minig and it's just all about like the Beisesity, the Arab produce and he didn't want to change the Minig but he didn't want to eat their food so he would starve so he came back just a Shemitah soundbite <laughs> but and he literally starved because they had very little teeth as it was but whatever the reason you see clearly over here that our job is to keep trying and the question people have is am I allowed to stop? So let me focus on the tefillah part. People daven for many different things. We try to daven for things that are good for our ruchnius and we know that even though we would like it otherwise we know that the fact that we had one shmona esrei that was good doesn't mean you're getting it tomorrow. The right ladover is is that not everybody who daven shmona esrei is a billionaire. Even though I'm cheshesh, that Barei Chalenu gets a lot of attention. So why is that? Either the answer is, and you ask for all the good reasons, you want to support the yeshivas and the kailim and all the amonas uh, and the assignment. It's all, it's all good. So why is the answer yes? So there are two possibilities. One is it's not good for you and there's a small shash you might buy a yacht. 
or something like that. The yacht would only be used to bring the food to the descendant on the islands, whatever it is. But, you know, it might, it's a big nisayim, what do you spend your money on? So, um, that's Chazal say in many places, it's a nisayim. And the other answer might be, no, it's coming, but you got to daven a lot, and there's a time frame. People want to know, so what's the time frame? I just have to know how long to hang on. So when people ask me that, I tell them to ask Chana. Say, so say, Chana who? Chana Shmuel Hanavi's mother. Decades and decades and decades. I use that example because if she would ask the Shaila, she didn't. Is she allowed to stop? After you dive in 59,000 pound essays, can you just go on to a different topic? There's no chiv, she's not Mitsuru Can she stop? This goes to everybody's mind. So I've davened a lot. Can I stop? Can I pull back? I won't daven three times a day. There's no sheer how long you have to daven for anything if it's not a chiv. If you're not doing basics, you've got to daven for siyat to learn a daven and be healthy. That you're going to daven for anyway. The things that you feel would be good for your ruchnius, the gashmi is good for your ruchnius, should you be davening for them? You've been davening many years and people have asked me, can I stop? Khan, I was talking about children. Some people are children, some people are panasas. Are you allowed to stop? The answer is, are you allowed to? There's no chiv to daven for something specific. In the words, is everything you could possibly want. There's no chiv to add anything. I have to think adding things a little bit in the brachas and shmakalin a little more it helps your shmanesra. It helps the conversation, so to speak. It makes it more real for us on our madrega. But you don't have to add anything. How long should you add? You have a right, that's a chiddish. You have a right to keep asking, you're not nudging HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachu. Baruch is getting tefillahs, millions of them. That's a Kadosh Baruch Hu. You're not nudging, you're not waving down. You can ask for whatever you want. Do you have to keep going? So my personal answer, depending on who I'm talking to, but if I see from the conversation that it's weighing them down and taking away from their simchas hachayim, simchas ha-mitzvah and other areas, and it's not something they have to be davening for, and it's been 10, 20, 30 years, I tell them, you know what, either stop or maybe just put it in one or three a week, one a day, because if it's affecting your general halach in life, and you're still down about it, why is Hashem listening to me, then you can put it in the background. It's a good thing Chana didn't do that, because she was such a sadekis, it wasn't affecting her. She was down that she wanted a child, that she wanted a complete Lushem Shemayim, and that's why Rav Deslin Mechdam says that what triggered the success was tens of thousands of tefillahs. That wasn't enough. And a particular point in Klai Yisrael, where Klai Yisrael needed desperately a new leader to now have the transition to Malachim and to anoint the Malachim, and she was still davening for it, and therefore her davening went through because Klai Yisrael needed it. So it's her davening with Klai Yisrael's need. After thousands of tefillahs. So people don't know. So what's the number? The answer is, in this example, she had no clue. She had a right to ask for it. She felt it's not affecting her other areas. Or she doesn't ask for it. She doesn't still work on it. It will affect her other areas. Therefore, she did. And she was an incredible success. Lamaisa, thank you. Lamaisa, many people get overly focused on one thing which they think is good for them. And I remind them, either the answer a long time ago was no, it's not good for you, it's not healthy. And it's an extra, you don't need it. Or... 
It's very good for you, but the Shir and Shamayim, the Xera was 16 years, and you're almost there. If you want to continue, continue. As I warned you at the beginning of the Shir. So you're walking out with out of number. But at least we know what to look for and what it's affecting. The situation in Yeruchnius is going to play a role. The ability to fool oneself. So there are many great examples. This, I think, is a classic. Gemara Sahajan on Paytest talks about Anavi Sheker, talks about the various types of Sheker and how to tell when an Avi is an Avi Sheker. And the Gemara brings down the following Misa. takes place in Malachim Aleph. There were many wars between Aram and Klai Yisrael. Achav was the king of the Esau Shvatim at the time. He was a chetem Mahti Yisrael, and married to Zevil, who was even worse. Very hungry for power covered, both of which he got to a tremendous degree. He was the most powerful king we ever had, except for Shlomo HaMelech, who never had to fight any wars, Baruch Hashem. Achav had tremendous power and dominion. And it wasn't enough because there was one city he lost in a battle against Aram, and he couldn't make peace with it. He owned everything else. One city he lost. And his mechut was Yahushafat. Very complicated, fascinating sugi. Yahushafat was a tzaddik yisadeh, melech Yehuda. And uh, this is a complicated uh, shidduch, Shaila. Um, I tell most people, don't worry if they call you up with a perspective of shidduch and the father somebody like Achav, you should probably say no for other reasons. But Yashafat said yes, and he initiated it, and it was a Kira move on his part, because Yashafat was an incredible, incredible tzaddik and very influential, he felt he could make a rishim. And certain points of Achav's life, he did. Achav even had him come in his tshuva mode and give him malchus every day. Can you imagine asking your mechutin to come over every day to give you malchus? And he's like, two kings, and they so there was a tkufa where it was working, and Yashofa tried to keep up uh, somewhat of a relationship in order to give him this chizuk. So, in Perch it starts off, there was no mechama between Aram for three years, Aram and Klai Yisrael, v'yibashon ha-shlishas v'yeber Yashofa melch yudha melch Yisrael. Yashofa comes for a visit, nothing to do with any battle, and Achav sees an opportunity. He says, you know, I've been thinking for a while. It's not right. They still have our city, and we should get it back. Ramaz Gilad. And it's not fair, and I'm thinking of going to war. What do you think? Achav fought many successful campaigns. And this one he lost, and he wants uh, revenge. He wants to go back, so he want to get back. It's a, it's a Jewish city. Why not? So Yoshafat, being Yoshafat, says, well... Strategically, you have an army? He says, I'll tell you before I answer your question. You want my army also? I'm with you. I'll come. My army's at your disposal. You have two armies. If it's the right thing to do, I'm right behind you. That offer will almost cost him his life. Chazal say, because he is mishaber with a Russia, even though he was a mechudin already. But it led to this, and... The Kirov was very important, and even for Yoshafat, it was being overdone and it got dangerous. But that's not the focus right now. Yoshafat said, It's not really up to me. We have Nevi'im in Israel. 
So why don't you call the Navi? So Achav starts rolling his eyes. You picture the scene, something like your teenagers. Uh, he says, I got a machut, there's your shofar. I'm talking about a war. We're getting the planes and tanks together and just offered me half his uh, army. And, uh, and uh, he's talking about asking a Navi. So he says, yeah, 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 my dear Mechut, yeah, we got lots of them. As a matter of fact, I got 400 of them on payroll. We'll come and ask them what they have to say. Always great to have a Navi on payroll, because they tell you exactly what you want to hear, which is what we have to be in for, right? So he calls them in, and uh, they say, yes, your highness, you should absolutely go. This is a Chlima, Yavesh Gilad is in non-Jewish hands, and this is the right thing to do for Jewish pride, and you're very strong, and now you got Yashofet here, and uh, go right ahead, and it's Kabbalic. And Yashofet's listening to this parade, and after they finish their drusha, and they all fall by, he whispers in Achav's ear, and he says, uh, my dear Mechudin, you have any real Nevi'im? <laughs> so, he said, real Nevi'im, what's wrong with this? I pay him a good salary. The mom wasn't embarrassed. He's a Nevi'im always here. I spelled it out like that, but that was a Matisse. He told him, he said, I have a messiah from my great great grandfather, David Malach, that two Nevi'im don't say the same Nevi'im, and they're all talking the exact same Sprach. <laughs> Something's wrong over here. No, so he told him about the messiah. And the leader of these false Nevi'im, and what made it so complicated, it's such an important Misa, you just read it, read the Perik, you don't get any of this, it's all in the Gemara and in the various Madrashim. But uh, that leader over here, Tzitka ben Kanana, every Yeshiva Bachar knows him because you all got to Bezim at Bez in Baba Kama. Bezim at Bez? Even Morning Seder, yeah, I'm sure. So. <laughs> Uh, the only reason people know about this story Bechlal is we know the Karni Barzal and he's going to visualize I don't know if he visualizes something and makes it real the Nevuah he starts making Karni Barzal and he says you're going to go and gore them and you're going to make mincemeat out of them and it's going to be a mamish total victory and he's uh, having a whole charade with his Karni Barzal for the Sugi and Baba Kama and uh, he's getting all angry, and uh, Yashafet still says, I repeat myself, we've got to find the real Navi. He says, well, there's one guy around here who says he's holier than thou. He was a Hilly Gitzadik in Taka, was the only Navi functioning at great peril to his life, Nechio. And uh, he never has anything nice to say about me. I don't really feel like calling him, but if you insist, say, so send a messenger, and they did this in a very fair way, they sent a messenger to go get Mechayel, and the messenger was told to tell him on the way in that he better be careful to say the right Nevoah because everybody else said this and you better fall in line. And that's a direct order from the king, at least one of the kings. So he's a tzaddik and he said, I'm sorry, but I can only say Nevoahs that Hashem gives me and you know, take it or leave it. So he gets there and um, Achav says, No, should I go? So he gives him a wonderful bracha. He says, Your Highness, you should be successful in everything you do. Even Achel wasn't born yesterday. And he knows that's not going to satisfy Yashafat. So he says, I didn't ask you for a personal bracha. I asked you for the Dvar Hashem. He knows it doesn't say Kayamar Hashem. And he was right. So, oh, you want the Kayamar Hashem version? 
So you should really be successful. Um, you know, I don't want to see you dead, but if you want the real version, Kaya Shem, and he paints the whole scene that Klaizal is on the battlefield without their leader. And they're all scattered. And he told Achav that right now there's a whole Dion in Shemayim with your Chayim Misa because you're an Ovid of Rabin, but you also give a lot to Teirah. I'm not sure he gave it to give to the yeshivas. I think he was just so wealthy, he had social programs and started spending money just on anybody who wanted it. He was Mahan of the yeshivas, but that's still a lot of schar. He did that without printing money. He had real money. And he just gave it out. And it was so Shamayim, it was 50 50. Imagine the guy's a chaytia machtis about Mariti Zevel. So Shaila, whether she's Jewish before, and that has impact on the next Malachan. But said he's uh, doing a lot, whether he likes it or not, and whether he meant it or not. So the Navi tells him in Shamayim, they had a DNA, you were mamish deadlocked. And he was maramis to the fact that I saw in this Navua that there was a spirit that tipped the scales and that was the spirit of Novus who you had murdered. And your highness, the psak was, you're going to die if you go to battle. If you stay here and do tshuva and accept this, you won't. But you're going to die. Now usually people have big tithes with defas are covered and more money, and how can Yavish Gilad not be ours? We lost the battle, he wants to even the score. So, COVID is a great thing, but he wasn't born yesterday, and the Navi that he knows as the Navi Amos is telling your highness, you're going to get killed. And he flies off the handle, which is what he does when he doesn't get what he likes to hear. And he tells his men, take this man and lock him up and give him bare minimum bread and water, when I get back, I'm going to kill him. And the Novi, as he's being dragged away, says, Your Highness, if you get back, then you should talk kill me. Because I'm out of Novi Emes, you're not getting back. He never came back. And he was killed in the battlefield. The Pella is that Yashafat is listening to this and Yashafat still goes into battle. Nobody asks this question directly. Yashafat says, hey, look at Sadiq. And he's the one who wanted to hear the real Navi. Why in the world is he going into battle? Why is he going into battle? But, as I'll explain soon, the logistics, which are important, they start shooting primarily at Yashafat. They almost gets killed. At the very last second the Chazal describes this, they were inches away with their swords drawn, ready to kill him. And he died to the last minute, and it was averted, and he got home alive. But he was this close from getting killed. Why did he go? What was he thinking? Remember, I, in this year, I think it was just nine years ago, I remember, because afterwards, uh, people asking Shailas, I spoke about uh, Rifki Min when the Chesed she was doing, schlepping the water with all those guys standing here with their hands folded. Remember that one? Yeah. I still got shyness about that. So many people ask me, are we allowed to ask what Rifki Emanuel was thinking? Maybe that takes away. I said, it takes away if you don't ask. Of course she was thinking. She was brilliant. And she said, this is a mud and I got ten strapping young men standing here, and this water's heavy, even if the water came up. You got to schlep it with the pails and put it in the feeding truck. It's heavy. Why am I doing this alone? It's against the din. Prika Tina has to be done if he's involved. Why am I doing this 
So it's interesting, the people, hey, look at you, they would just want to make sure. I said, I think it's a chesaron if you don't. Of course she was thinking. Her godless was that she said, this is ridiculous and it looks strange and it's so, it's so bizarre that there must be a reason and I don't have to know all the reasons. I'll do the chesar now. They'll find out. I won't find out. She found out. She got the clay. So that was the test. <laughs> she found out. <laughs> so Yashafat has to be, it was Hashem Yatzadavar to teach him, maybe should back off of the relationship a little bit. Well, it's not going to be Tanagaya, it's Ahav's not alive anymore, but even with the families. But what was he thinking? He's the one who called the Navi. So the next layer of the mystery is the fact that this band of the hundreds of Nevi'im, 400, 400 is a big number in Tanakh. And this fellow, Tzitkeb and Kanana, who has these uh, horns and is playing it out, he actually, he had such chutzpah, he went over and he hit Mechiel, slapped him. Now dare you start up with the Amda chief Novi over here and uh, didn't tell him he had the highest salary and uh, I'm in charge over here, what are, you, what are you arguing before? What he didn't know over here was that the spirit of Novus came down and Tzitkeb and Kanana over here was shocked himself. It actually felt like a real Navu. He was thinking to himself, is this what the real thing feels like? I really feel like I'm right. All the other times I was lying. I really feel like I'm right. And it was close enough to the real thing that Achav, even though he knew Michiel was MS and the other ones were being paid, said this time it's 400 to 1 and there's something over here with the 400. And he wasn't that wrong about it. He was wrong enough that he's going to be dead wrong. But there was something going on over here. And that's the only terrorist that I have. Why Shafat said, no, I know he's the known Navi Zasadik Mikhail, and he says it's dangerous. But you have 400, and they're so convinced, and they're screaming and yelling and hitting him. And, and the Sitkin Kanana really sounds like, I just have a kasha, no, we had a kasha. Ain't Shnein is. He's the one who raised that kasha, but he still went. That's what a close call it was. There's a third layer over here. There's a third player. This is the strangest thing. I told you the logistics of how Yashafat almost got killed. So Melech Aram, who was a main player in the story, the only three players, Melech Aram, Melech Yisrael, and Melech Yehuda. So Melech Yehuda and Melech Yisrael on the same team against Melech Aram. Melech Aram sends his soldiers with very unusual instructions. He said, I want you to go to battle, and I want all of you, the archers, the tanks, the planes, only shoot at the Melech Yisrael. Very unusual instructions. Never did that before. Never before, never since. You have two armies fighting together, fighting like a man. They used to, in the old days, they used to fight wars like you should. Everybody's lined up with bright red coats, and they used to blow a whistle, and they used to kill each other we, since the Civil War, have figured out that maybe we should surprise each other instead. But that's not the way they fought wars. They lined up, and it was considered cowardly to just, like, pick on one person. They match up the armies, and uh, whoever's stronger will win. It says, only shoot at the Melech. So Achav, again, who wasn't uh, dumb, understood there's an avu over here that might be true, that I'm a marked man, say... He told Yoshafat, here's the plan. I'm going as a plainclothes civilian or one of the infantry and you go in your royal guards because they have nothing against you and your chariot and uh, we'll be fine. He had an inkling they were going to be shooting at the king and the king over here meant Achav, not Yoshafat. Yoshafat's an ally now, but he meant Achav. 
why did Melch Haram give these strange instructions? So the answer is, Chazal's a medjushir for everything. He had spies in the Jewish camp. Everybody's got spies. So whatever you say at a briefing as you're assembling the army and military strategy, you should know it's being heard. And he heard that they had a big vikuach, a tremendous machlekes, should they go, should they not go? And they heard about a dream, the danger and everything. And Melech Aram said, the one true Navi said he's going to get killed, so I don't need to waste ammunition and bullets shooting at everybody else like a regular war. Just shoot the king, because the Navi said that the king is going to get killed, so we're going to waste my time. We'll kill him and everybody else will run, which is what happened. So now put this all together. You have three people listening to the same 401 Nevi'im. So Achav says, I believe the 400. Yashafat apparently said, I'm not really convinced either way, but I'm trying to do kir with my mechutin, so you want me to come? I made an offer, so I'll come. Didn't realize how dangerous it might be. And the Melech Aram said, this Mechayo is a big tzaddik, and he's the man. And therefore, don't waste any bullets. Just get the king. All of a sudden, Melech Haram is the biggest tzaddik. He's the only guy who got it right. Melech Haram. Isn't that interesting? Yoshafat's not sure. Achav is dead wrong. Was wrong. Now he's dead. And Melech Haram is singing all the way to the bank. <laughs> How did you touch up this story? Why? It's such a strange result. It's counterintuitive. Melech Haram, the guy, the Ever of Azar. He was a full-time of Razar. He didn't give any money to Jesus. So, why did he figure it out? No, what's the answer? The answer is, we're talking about Simonim and Hashemayim and looking at Simonim and reading Simonim. Everybody over here had their agenda. And Melech Haram wanted to fight. He wanted to keep the city. He wanted to win the battle. And he wanted to win it in the easiest possible way the least casualties and the least expenditures on ammunition. So we heard two possibilities. You got 400 people who say, go, and you're gonna be, it's going to be a battle. So you just ignored them. He said, 400 people said, I'm going to lose. It's not haram. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lose. He says, I always like that guy. There's a Navi over there, Mechayo. He's 100% right. Not only that, he did me a big favor. My spies tell me I just got to use one bullet. So he went with the Navi. Achav is interested for his own covet and going to battle, and he's not interested in no. We know that from the beginning of the story. And therefore, especially the 400 sounds firmer than they usually do, because usually they're not coherent at all. And I think there's something real, and therefore I decided, because it's self-serving. And Yoshafat is conflicted, because he knows this Navi is the Navi Emes, and the other Nevi'im normally have nothing to say. Here it sounds actually somewhat credible. But it goes against Amasaira, but I'm here for Kirv anyway, so I'll, I'll back him up. And for that he almost got killed. So we're dealing with Yashofik, G'dayle Elam here. But you see, Achav, who was very confused his whole life, is willing to put his life on the line for the covenant. If you'd ask him, what are you doing? It's Russian roulette. He would say, what Russian roulette? 400 to 1. This is a shoo-in. He didn't even see it. You'd ask him, that's ridiculous, your highness. Those odds are horrible. And there's none they're not. These 400, say what you want about all their other predictions, but uh, this one, I feel it in my bones. He felt it in his bones all right afterwards. But the ability to fool oneself, you can't get much covered if you're not alive anymore. 
So you have to know that the goal in our reading Simonim and getting Chizuk is not in the decision-making capabilities of understanding Simonim because we're not in Madrega and we don't have Ruch HaKadish and we don't have Nevuah. So what does it depend on? So it boils down to two lines at the beginning of the Messias Hashem, which you all know. Messias Hashem introduces all of Yiddishkeit. He said that Chassid is Shari Shavayda to me, who she is Barvi's Ames Etzel Adam Machavasa Balama, the Matzah, she Yassim Mabato, Machmasa, and the Chola Shahu Amel, call Yemei Chayev. One, you said, be honest with yourself and understand you're here only for your Ruchnius and nothing else counts, and most of it is distracting. So you just have to internalize and re internalize in Chazer over and over again what is your real Chayva and what is your amelis and where is your focus for that amelis? People get done in life, we've all noticed this, what gives them cheshek and simcha and what they want to get done. And all of a sudden they have the talent for it. It's a question of what they consider chashuv and what they consider worthwhile for that expenditure or that amelis or that effort. And the kaveh Hashem and the repeating that message to yourself is all about, I don't have to know everything, I don't have to understand the results, I don't have to understand the I have to just know that I'm focused on my mahalach, and then HaKosh Baruch Hu will take care of everything else. But the mahalach has to be something you're holding on very dearly to. And there are going to be days. That's what we were discussing last time we, uh, we met a fabulous piece that has to be uh, hung on people's walls. Volba talks about, he's talking to Bachram, but it's not just Bachram, he's talking to Bachram. Bacharets, older Bachram, older Bacharets, grandparents, doesn't make a difference. He's quoting Rabbi Tam, Rabbi Tam is a vision. Rabbi Tam says, There are, not there might be, there are you may sinna and you may ava in your life. And you have to know ahead of time that it's a cycle. And it keeps going round and round, and the Yitzhahar will make sure of that. And there'll be hours or days or maybe weeks where you feel nothing's working, you have no cheshek, and things are going wrong. And it's perfectly normal. Rabbi Tam, Arishin. This is for your learning, for your mitzvahs, for your day-to-day life. It's such a big yisoy, these people assume, yeah, that's only for low lives like me, because uh, I'm not, I'm a sub and I have a lot of averas. No. My favorites don't help much, but the optics look like uh, he's a big tzaddik. Why is he sitting in jail? He's a big tzaddik. Why is he suffering? And you have to know it's coming. Now, this is to help people, not to get them more nervous. I've had people come up to me, the occasions we've discussed things like this, one fellow came up to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm really having an unbelievable month. It's my learning and things are going well at the office and the Shalom bias is Gavaldic. I said, I'm happy to hear that. Thank you for the Nachas report. Usually I get bad news. So I said, thank you very much. He said, no, I didn't get to my Shaila yet. So I said, what's your Shaila? He said, I, I'm very fearful. I know the Yemei Sinner are coming. I just want to know when is it going to happen. I said, you want a bracha? Should happen soon? What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> the bracha is it should pass by quickly. <laughs> That's a bracha. 
Yes, it's coming. Should we sit and wait? No. The Tachas is to minimize the Yimei Sina, maximize the Yimei Ava, and that's up to us. Make the stretches longer, even though you can have downtime and get tripped up. Second Yisoyim, Avoba stresses this, is when you're in the Yimei Sina, sometimes heavy Yimei Sina, sometimes lighter, they're different Madregas, one Yisoyim, never let go of the main Ikarim of your Avedis Hashem. You might have a matzah you can't figure out this Rabbi Kivager and Shemaya Sin is not working, so you'll drop back and do something a little bit easier, get yourself back into it. You might not be in the mood to write a huge check. Don't stop giving stucca for what's going on for a week or a month. Give, give less at the moment, give less. Don't stop the basics at any given time. This is such an important decide. Hold on to whatever you had, even if it's on a lower level. If you let go and say, I'm putter now, it's Yemei Sinna, I just heard a share on this, and I now have a pass. That's the opposite. Rabbi Tom is telling you, be warned that these things happen to everyone, it goes up and down, and you have to know how to react. And you have to know how to perform during those times. The answer is you could never let go. There's something called a batter and a batter slump. I don't know what they call it a batter slump. He's going to end up, most of these guys end up, if they're very good, batting 300 or something like that anyway. But it's PR. It's PR. They got the friend for, why did you not get on base for the last three weeks? I'm in a batter slump. It could just quote Rabbi Tom. It's you may sin him, but they don't know that much. So at least they're smart enough. They don't put down the bat. They don't stop showing up to face the pitcher. You've got to hold on to the basics. You've got to be in the game. You've got to play. You've got to work at it to be able to. And their people don't get it. They think that, even if they never heard of Rabbi Tom, it's not working out this week, this month, and I'll be back. Right now, this loosens his grip, and things fall out. There's there are real favors there, real bittul mitzvahs. You can't drop the basics, and it's never necessary to drop the basics. And a lot of people don't know that you said. Once you hold on to the basics, you can get back and make the meiava longer. That's the whole goal in life: is to make those longer, the meisina shorter, and to learn how to deal with the meisina. The fact is, it's incredible. Uh, one Misa, because we're um, about halfway through as usual and almost out of time. Rav Shach, that's all. Once asked, and he was uh, very old at the time and not traveling much, he once asked his uh, Shamas, his grandson, Talmud, says, please get a car, we have a Leviah to go to near Haifa. He says, I didn't hear which, uh, which God will be Israel passed away. He says, nobody you know, we're going to Levaya. It was in the winter, and Eretz Israel is a torrential downpour. And he goes to Levaya, and there are like 11 people there. And there was um, some Yiddish lady who was being buried and in the pouring rain. And they... Uh, Finish the Leviah, Rav Shach himself says Kaddish. And then 10 other people quickly run back to their cars and go home. And Rav Shach stands there in the cold rain at the age of uh, the 80s or 90s, whenever it was. And uh, if you ever get in the cold rain, it's salt. Uh, 
the, uh, the heat, when you get back to the Dira, is not always the same heat we used to over here. And he's standing there, Pasha, they're not that healthy. He's waiting, waiting, waiting. Five minutes, ten minutes, they keep letting Rebbe, you should go back to the car. Says, wait, wait. After 20 minutes, he goes back to the car. Nobody dared ask any questions. And he goes back to Bnei Brak. Afterwards, somebody mustered up the courage and started at the beginning. Who was that lady and why did you go all the way to Haifa for that Leviah? Why did you say Kaddish? And why did you wait 20 minutes in the pouring rain when everybody went home? And he said that uh, I was in yeshiva, a very young man. Yeshivas then, mitzvah to tell the story just for the people going to yeshiva before they complain about the food or the air conditioning. Air conditioning is a joke when you hear this story. I went to yeshiva, and the yeshivas, the small yeshivas, were in a shul. Sometimes the Ezzah's Nashim, and there was no heat at all in the shul, period, ever. You came in, they had a fireplace in the morning, somebody lit it, you got a chakras, it was still freezing, and then you uh, went to work. And they had the Asar Badlanim, if they were lucky enough, and they had some Bacharim, and then they learned there. Shach was a young man, a lot healthier and stronger than he was when the story happened by the Leviah. And he said he was there for a number of weeks. It was so bitter cold, he could never sleep at night. So he wasn't functioning. He wasn't sleeping. He was shivering. And they had nothing to eat also, but that was standard fare, or lack thereof. The, the people want to know why is it that everybody who was in yeshiva in Europe and Sabatka they all became Gedele Yisrael the answer is anybody survived in yeshiva in Europe was destined to become a Gedele Yisrael couldn't survive otherwise I'd be hear a story like this and this is not an isolated incident and after a number of days he, he said this over he said I was ready to um, give up just can't. He's not sleeping night after night. You can't. He was shivering on a on a bench in the Ezra's Nashim without a blanket. And he's I, I can't. And Monday, Tuesday of that week, I was going to leave the next morning because it just was not a tenable situation. Then I decided, no, serious nefesh for Tyra. I can stay. I'm here already. Freezing already for a few weeks. I'll stay till after Shabbos. One more Shabbos in Yeshiva. That Arab Shabbos, a lady who was moving to Yisrael, she was an almana, and she was selling off the rest of her things, you can imagine, of her great mansion in this small town where the shul had no heating. It was just uh, some wood nailed together. And she brought some old moldy blankets with holes in them, but they were blankets. And she told the Rosh Hashiva, I'm, I'm not sending a lift to Yisrael, or I got a 20-footer, not a 40-footer. You can imagine what the matzav was. She's going where there's an old lady and she wants to live out of years in Eretz Yisrael. So he says, I have no need for this. Here's some blankets. The Rosh Shiva's trying to think now, who do I give it to? He says, there's one bacher who was not eating and not sleeping and uh, looks like he has potential. I'm going to give him the blanket. So he got this blanket with a very holy blanket and with uh, seeing better. But it was a blanket. It's the first night that he slept in a number of weeks because he was an Oshir. He had a blanket on a hard bench in the Ezra's Nashim without heat. And he stayed. And he stayed. And he stayed. And he became Rav Shach. And Klaizor became his Talmidim. You already guessed this lady who died near Haifa was that lady. And Rav Shach 
kept tabs where she was and knew that nobody else knows her. And he was told when the Levi was, and he told notify people of the town, I want you to know if she went away, I want to know about it, and he went. So Shamas listening, he says, That's an incredible Mysa. Why'd you stand in the rain for twenty minutes? So he said, I wanted to remember the feeling of how cold I was back in the Yeshiva. So how do you get to be I'm not asking how you get to be Rav Shach and learning how you write the Nabi Ezri that's the different shmuz it's the same shmuz when you finish with the first point but how do you become that level of Nesivus Nefesh a person who can weather afterwards he still had Namashtit had a blanket with holes in it and was still sleeping on a bench and did that for decades and decades and the rest of his life how do you do that how is that humanly possible the answer is the first aside, if you know what your chayva is, and you know what you're here for, there are people, believe it or not, and I use this mushal once because it's very real and it's probably one of the more kosher things of the choices, there are people who get up at four in the morning and it's freezing outside. They're talking about gusty winds and they put these things on their feet, I think they're called skis, long things, you've seen them? Four in the morning. Mamish Messiah's nefesh. And they hit the slopes, and uh, I, I get reports sometimes. They said, you know, it's like five degrees out, that's before the wind. And then when you start going down a hill at 90 miles an hour, suddenly you get more wind. They said, yeah, it's a little biting, but that's the kashmak. No, no time is, it's everybody's dressed properly, Baruch Hashem. And they take the whole lift themselves, there's nobody else there. But that's, uh, as I said, relative to other possibilities, it's relatively kosher. But as I'm a serious nefesh, it says, yes, this is. Uh, this is thrilling. This is exhilarating. <clears throat> so Shach made sure that the most exhilarating thing in his life is a tesis. There's another block. And once you decide that, you can handle almost anything. That's the aside over here. So you'll say, well, he got a simim in a shamayim. I would also stay in yeshiva. If I'm about to leave, the lady comes and delivers a blanket? So... I would also become Rav Shach. I don't think so. Because we'd get the blanket and we'd say, ew, this thing's a hole in it. There's a worm on the north side. There's some mold on the south side. And there's still no heat in this building. So now I'm a Draga. That's understandable. But the only way to beat these Nisyanis is to just focus on the Tachas HaChayim. How important is it for you? And what would you go through to be able to accomplish these goals. A lot more to say, but there's always Memorial Day. I don't know if we're all in Eretz Yisrael by Memorial Day. We're going to celebrate it as Memorial Day, but we'll have opportunity in Mitzvah if we get there to uh, speak about these things. And uh, I thank everybody for uh, listening because it gives me chizik. So hopefully we'll all get some chizik from it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.